What's up, everybody? This is Tom Roy with Cards on the Table. We've got a special episode for you, our third episode. This is dedicated to a hearty conversation regarding all of the classic video game consoles. We decided to take a look at the best, the worst, and all of the peripherals, and our thoughts on everything in between. Anyway, my name is Tom Roy, and I'm going to be the host on this journey to talk about consoles today. I have three co-hosts and great friends, some of which are related to me. Um, Sean Galvin is going to start us off. Sean, how are you doing this evening? I'm well, sir. How are you, Tommy? I am pretty friggin' fantastic. Calvin Crockett, my little brother, how are you this evening? How are your legs? I am great. My legs are fine. Thank you very much. Excellent, excellent. And Sam Roy, lover of hoedads. I got nothing. <laughs> I'm just going to smile and nod. That's fair. Anyways, so what I'd like to talk about today is we're going to we're going to break down the things about video game consoles that we like or dislike, some things that we think broke the mold, others that just broke our spirits and made us not want to play video games for like 30 seconds. To start us off, I want to talk about a thing that's been happening the last couple of years. We're talking about these retro consoles, but we've got the NES Classic came out a couple of years ago, SNES Classic. Now we got the PS Classic, and I'll say this, PS1 holds a special place in my heart, but are they late to the party? Are they at the right time? I don't know. I want to hear what my host has to say about it. I would say it's it's a little late to the game. Um, I love the idea of having something like that on my console. So like, you know, my TV console, I've got my mini NES, I got my mini SNES, and I got my mini PlayStation. Um, and I thought that the beautiful things with the NES and the SNES was that you could hack them and add your own ROMs to them and basically have a complete catalog all in one machine. Um, with the PlayStation, I doubt that's going to be a possibility due to storage reasons. Um, and given the titles that are going to be available, I just don't feel like it has the demand that Nintendo grabs for. Nintendo, you know, has those games that have been in their classics. Um, whereas the PlayStation, outside of maybe four or five games, that doesn't really have that many classics to it. But I do have the NES Classic and I have the Super Nintendo Classic. And my Super Nintendo Classic has been hacked because I wanted Earthworm Jim on there. Oh, really? Earthworm Jim. Also, a Sega Genesis title. It's better on Genesis, actually, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah course it is <laughs> oh well it's a sound card genesis does what nintendo uh, welcome to the consoles episode what <laughs> yeah so tommy give us a breakdown yeah, what tommy. is this episode about first topic we're going to talk about is the one that's the most important particularly in this retro generation it's the catalog it's the ips so what has the best catalog of games what system came out swinging best catalog games i'm gonna start it Honestly, I'm going to say I am going to advocate for Nintendo 64! <laughs> it's a garbage system. It is not oh. a garbage system. It's not. It's got a cartridge. You don't need CDs when you got cartridges, baby. I'm going to go with this SNES. This is not the first time that this is the first time I said this. The last time I said something different. But honestly, the Super Nintendo, it came out. It was legit. It had the best games. It wrecked my thumbs for years playing Street Fighter, learning how to play Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy three, not Final Fantasy seven, Final Fantasy six in Japan. Um, it was a great console. I mean, honestly, you know, we look back 
at how they did the, the graphics with what was at their disposal. It was a phenomenal console. And Sean's shaking his head at me. He doesn't agree. So, Sean. No, I say that is a great console. But the question is, what ha- what console has the best catalog of games? Yeah, for real. Like, I'm bored with your answer. That's a, I love it. I, honestly, we would not have a show if we didn't have Tommy saying the wrong question. So we're going to do it. Okay, best catalog of games. Let's break it down. Street Fighter. It came out on two systems, but most people already had the SNES. They didn't have the Genesis. SNES was, was far superior to the Genesis, if I yeah, correct. remember correctly. Final Fantasy 2, Final Fantasy 3, great friggin' games. Yeah. Super Mario World, to those of the Mario World generation, and most importantly, for the Zelda people, we had Link to the Past. Fucking Mario Kart. I mean, Mario Kart also. Let's talk about Mario Kart. It was a four player. It was a two player game. It's a four player. Uh, I think it was two. I don't know if we did four until GameCube. Two. Didn't the Y and the X button though feel a little weird, and that made games hard to play? Like it had kind of a divot in the middle of it. Well, that was the first time we had four buttons or six buttons, really, right? Possibly. Did we Genesis go from had two some six button controllers? Did we go to two, from two to six? For like, huh? That was for Street Fighter. Genesis had six. Genesis is at ABC one two three, right? I don't know. But then SNES yes. had the triggers, right? Yes, that is correct. But do you think that like SNES, though, really has enough depth? I feel like that's always the part about it, is that even though like in that era you had these big wide windows of when games were being made, I feel like Super Nintendo kind of had this moment where they peaked and they kind of brought out a bunch of stuff and they kind of held on with Donkey Kong Country, and then it kind of just petered out. Ooh, Donkey Kong But it also had Chrono Trigger. Yeah, it had Chrono Trigger. It had Super Mario... Red Mario Kart, Mario was it the, was it the RPG system? Like, were there other systems that had better RPGs? Uh, no, no way. Because Genesis, I don't think. I think Genesis had these very like almost outdated systems of doing RPGs. They didn't really bring like the idea of like a classic Square RPG, Japanese RPG, or any sort of Atlas titles. It was a lot of like. Remember, they had one on the Sega Genesis, which was like a. Genghis Khan game where you had to like invade and it was like this turn-based kind of ARPG game. Um, it was it sounds sick to me. It was it was cool. Pitch me that game, but it was like very historical. It did not develop into any fantasy or anything. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here, real Calvin. You know, a weird deep cut on the Sega Genesis was I remember one of the first Sega Genesis games I had that was not really on the norm was Might and Magic. And weird thing was, is, you know, like a Super Nintendo game had the same size and shape, same gray, whatever. But Sega Genesis, when they had a game that had lots of data, the cartridge was double sized. So you get this extra tall cartridge. And this one particularly had like a yellow tab. And the first game that I've ever, ever experienced with this was Might and Magic, which was a big game. It was a it was a it was a first person. It was very real world or not real world, but it had a lot more open world concept. And it was. Honestly, I did not have fun with it. I thought it was weird as a kid. I was like, this is a strange game. I'm wandering around some BS dungeon, random encounters. Like, I got my butt kicked. I mean, it was it was a very different game than any RPG that I played. And maybe that's why they didn't succeed as well as SNES. I mean, you could pick up Chrono Trigger. You're saying it was almost 2D. Yeah. Like 2D, like Chrono and things like those you can Correct. pick up pretty easily. Well, I think Genesis did really well. I think it outsold SNES in the States. I think SNES did better worldwide. I mean, granted, that's off topic of the subject, but 
I think that the the catalog for the SNES compared to the Genesis really did outweigh it, especially because a lot of the good cross-platform games that came out on Genesis were eventually SNES titles. I mean, you've got Street Fighter, you have um, Earthworm Jim, you have all sorts of different titles that like weren't technically Nintendo AAA IP, but they did really well and they played really well and so they ended up you know going on to the super nintendo which made it a great system all around well this is actually kind of interesting because like my biggest complaint about snes is what i love about which my choice for the best catalog which is the nes like i love classic nes and because my critique of the snes is that uh there wasn't enough third-party support in mm-hmm. NES, like everyone was making games, random dudes out of the clockwork were making games, and what it was doing was it was really pushing it. So true. And so for me, it's like because of the third parties, NES. It, first off, it has a million games, and then uh, it, once once you start getting into NES, it's really the beginning of side scrollers. It's where side scrollers really came into their own beyond the arcade, and it's almost like one of those situations, like the late '60s, where it's the uh, the British invasion where you have all these people coming in at the same time that are all very talented, and they all start kind of one-upping each other. Uh, For me personally, what I love about the NES catalog is uh, how the later era NES games, uh, they really started pushing it to where characters could have multiple power sets. So it was games like Castlevania 3, where you could be three different characters, or uh, Super Mario 3, where you could get the suits. Or if you guys remember, it was kind of a deep cut. It's called uh, Little Nemo, the Dream Master. Sounds familiar. Mm. Little Nemo. It had it had it was super colorful and awesome, but you could basically become like a frog guy, or you could become like a bee, and you fly up, and you had to use us. But it was um, it, it it made the game less linear. It made it kind of individual to you about how you wanted to play it. And that's out of any top ten list you do of any series, there'll be three NES games in that top ten list. Every time I play an NES game, I feel like it's so fucking old. That's hey, that you know that's a fair critique. It really is. Like I'm mine is the GameCube. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm going to play Metroid Prime. I'm going to play Wind Waker. I'm going to play Twilight Princess. Oh, Super Smash Bros. Like, that's kind of my jam. Donkey Konga. <laughs> Introduction of Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, also, there was, um, I had like a Final Fantasy Tactics. There was like an uh, an adapter for the GameCube, which Crystal I like. Where I could play Crystal Chronicles. Crystal Chronicles. But I could play my Crystal Chronicles. Thank you. Uh, but you could, I had an adapter, the Game Boy Advance adapter, which screws to the bottom and you could play Game Boy games, which allowed the Tingle Tuner, I think, in uh, Wind Waker, as well as uh, Crystal Chronicles, which I have fond memories with Tom and Calvin. And I still have all those games. I pull them out every once in a while, look at them, and think, like, this is dope. But I'm trying to think of some uh, some obscure stuff. Like, I remember they had, like, I, I joke about Donkey Konga, but, like, I actually liked that game. Yeah. It and was so uh, isn't that where Mario Party really came into its own was on the GameCube? I think so. I never had it. I feel like 64 Mario was where I first came into the idea of Mario Party. But maybe, I mean, I'm, that might be different for others. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that I enjoyed. What else I liked about uh, the GameCube was uh, was I remember buying it this one time was it was the first time where they had um, Legend of Zelda and Zelda Two on this little one disc. It was super oh, yeah. rare. I have it. I have two of them. Yeah, one of them uh, is sealed. I, I sold one of them for like five dollars, and it was worth like seventy dollars like a week I, later. I actually so recently brutal. showed Calvin. I was like, these are the games I still have for the GameCube, and Calvin was like. Oh, uh, Calvin, what you got? Best catalog of games. So I was just thinking about this, and I think that our our presentation of what games we or like the systems we chose 
speaks a lot because like Sam was GameCube. I remember when Sam had the GameCube. I remember, you know, his catalog, him playing it all the time. Um, and I think it speaks a lot to when we were most playing video games. Maybe I'm wrong here, but like Tom, I knew was SNES from the get go, um, just because that was the time when Tom was playing a lot of video games. And like, I think that that, you know, the catalog of Super Nintendo games is Tom Roy in a nutshell. Um, mine would have to be the PlayStation 2 for the same reason, because that was around the time when I was playing video games a lot. Um, and there there was just a lot of games during that time that really struck a chord with me, like Dragon Quest VIII, um, Final Fantasy X, um, Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. I played a lot. I'm granted not a big fan of the series, but like I played them and I enjoyed them. Um, Up until now, the best Spider-Man game. Oh, yeah. They had the uh, – that was the one that was done by Neversoft, right? It was so sick. There was a million costumes you could choose from. Like, it had deep stuff where if you read comic books, there was one random episode where uh, Spider-Man's suit gets ripped up, and so he has, like, a Fantastic Four uniform with a bag on his head. And in that Spider-Man game, you could put that on. And I remember being like, damn, that's some good shit. <laughs> they cared about detail in PlayStation 2. I feel like that was the first system where they really did. Yeah. Yeah, and Grand Theft Auto, right? Was that all PS2? Yeah, yeah, Grand Theft Auto 3 and Vice City and San Andreas. Nice. I mean that's three that's three GTA titles in one console, which is crazy to think of now in 2018. So side question was PlayStation 2. In my opinion, that was one of the first consoles for me where it was like difficult to obtain. That's like where we hit that eBay limited supply. Like getting your hands on a PS2, you were gonna struggle, wait in line or pay over retail. It was a hot system. It came out the gate, limited yeah. supply, high demand. I feel like my PS2 actually is hot. I feel like it bought it's like somebody had a bunch of them, uh, and they're like, "Hey, man, you want this for two hundred bucks?" I was like, "Sure." I've got four of them here at my house right now, just because I care so much about that system. Oh my god! <laughs> Apparently, I had a first generation PS2. Like right when it came mm-hmm. out, I looked at someone bought one for me, and um, we know we know who bought it for you. Here's the thing about it, though. Was if you put a if you put a DVD in, if you left it on the title screen mm-hmm. and you fell asleep, you would wake up the next morning. You pull out your DVD, and basically the, the laser would come up a little bit, and it would grind a perfect circle into it, so it would ruin your DVDs. Yeah, and mine. I think I got mine around. Mine must have been one of the early consoles that came out on market. And there was, I remember when they first came out, there was black discs. So like the underside of the disc was black, much like the PlayStation discs. And then they came out later with the bluish kind of Blu-ray looking discs. And uh, the black discs always had a really hard time reading. And it was some issue with the laser. And so I had to like send it in and get a replacement from Sony, which was a total bummer. What are some like deep cuts on the PlayStation 2? Deep cuts on the PlayStation 2. Um, Brave Fencer Musashi. I fucking love that game. I was thinking about that was, uh, Brave Fencer. That was PlayStation 1. Read a book, yeah, you're thinking of Samurai Legend Musashi. Dude, Brave Fencer Musashi um, was totally PS2. There was, no, it was not. Brave Fencer Musashi was PlayStation 1. Samurai Legend Musashi was on PS2. You just got dunked on, Tommy. Oh, please. What caught it? Yeah, totally, Tom Roy. Shut your mouth. Um, some really good ones was there was a game called God Hand. That game was really good. Katamari Damacy? Katamari Damacy 1 and 2. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it also had like the Ratchet and Clank series. It was just a good time for video games. I feel like it just there was a lot of indie developers. So I know I'm I know I'm the sports the sports game guy out of here, but like PS2 had uh, NBA Street, mm. NBA Street, and and SSX Tricky. Oh, yeah. I believe it was. Ah, so I good. had that comic. I mean, like, come on. How many weeks worth of work did we did not do and play NBA Street and SSX? Uh, that might of? just be yeah. There, yeah, it was me too, without a doubt. I loved SSX Tricky. That was a great game. I honestly don't know if I ever played the second Musashi game. You are right, Calvin. I was wrong. It's awful. You're not missing out on anything. All right. Our second topic of the conversation, because we've talked about consoles to death, is we're going to talk about add-ons and accessories. Because one of the things that I loved as a 90s, as an 80s kid in a 90s childhood was that you had these people who would make these accessories, you know, provided by the company, sponsored, you know, licensed by Nintendo, licensed by Sega. And then you'd have these, you started getting into the aftermarket ones. Some of them were so good, a.k.a. Game Genie, for those who needed to cheat. Um, and then there was other ones where you're like, Mad Cats, this controller sucks. Um, so we got in this whole accessory conversation. What were the best and the worst of the accessories on the consoles? And we're going to start out with Calvin. Calvin, what was the best or worst accessory that comes to mind? Uh, the worst accessory. Um, I hated all the peripherals for the Game Boy. Um, the Game Boy in and of itself was great for like being at home during daylight hours. But after that, you are so screwed because you either got to have a light on. And if you're trying to like hide from your parents that you're playing video games past nine o'clock on a school night, you're screwed. Um, and then like car rides home from your aunt's house, you can't play the Game Boy. So they would make these little light setups that would go over the screen and they had the magnifiers and all those things. They were the worst. They always like, they never worked that well. You had to have like 20 AA batteries in your backpack in order to get like, you know, a car ride out of it. Um, uh, why didn't they ever understand that like just a light would do sir i don't need this shitty plastic <laughs> magnifying glass as well yeah. just give me a little light on my screen just and i'll the... be just fine but they're like no trust me you need this thick piece of 80s plastic it'll be see-through for one week and you'll be good yeah and then it had like i think it had like a battery extender and i, I forget the kit i forget who made it i know it wasn't nintendo but it was some third party like nyko or something um yeah those were awful and then the Game Boy Camera too, I always thought was very gimmicky, um, because it was like you Wait, get the Game Boy Camera didn't it have a printer with it as well. Yeah, it would print on like thermoactive receipt paper, and so you would like you know print out your picture that was like just the most low res black and white like dithered image. Um, there were the paper was expensive. I remember getting a Game Boy Camera was hard. Um, yeah, it's one of those ones that, like, I don't think anyone really misses. All right, Sam, what do you think? Uh, I think any of the Game Boy peripherals were tough because I also remember that the Game Boy had legendary, like, terrible, like, battery length. Um, I remember Tommy had a Game Gear, and, like, it was so sick, but he could only play it for, like, 20 minutes, and it took, like, eight batteries or something. And he'd be like, Shining Force is so, so... And I'm like, yeah, it sucks because you're done playing now. Um... I'm going to go with the best. I had the game. I talked about this earlier. I had the Game Boy Advance uh, GameCube adapter, which I put into the bottom and I could play Game Boy Advance games or Game Boy games. I thought that was so slick. And uh, it just, I mean, it's like playing any of the new Super NES games, you know, the NES classics or whatever. You see it on like a bigger, like fancier screen, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, this looks great. But most of our screens today are like, you know, 
three by four or whatever, like movie style. So like there's a giant, like it's a square cause it was built for that back in the day. But yeah, I really like that. And uh, I still keep my old games. So like I've got, you know, fire emblem, minish cap, whatever else that I could put it into the bottom of my game boy player and be like, all right, let's check it out. That's a great one because it's like super useful as well. So yeah, and it has a knock on down in value. People normally like it has gone up because it has usefulness, and so you're like, oh dope. Whereas like the Game Boy printer is in like a fucking museum, and probably worth thousands. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna go back to the well and talk about the Nintendo again because I love the NES, and it's like uh, when you talk about the worst, NES was famous for its its rapids, which is really just pressing oh, the, the pause button, button a bunch of times. And if you had a game like the, if you had a game like uh, Ninja Turtles, where it would Go, ding boom, ding boom, and it just go back and forth, and it didn't work. But um, uh, if you go beyond the rapid buttons, I go to this one specific one that I remember, and it was always uh, it was one of those ones you would read about in comic books. And my buddy Josh Rocco just happened to have one, and it was called the U Force, and it was for the regular Nintendo to basically open up like a laptop, and uh, your controller was almost like a field goal post for a football team, and. It was just the weirdest, dumbest shit. You were supposed to put your hand within this laptop for it to, like, you were holding the uh, the joystick, or you were holding a gun, or you were holding the uh, the steering wheel. And the only game I remember it working for was Rad Racer, but uh, it was one of those that you, you know, your friend, his grandma goes, "Man, Nintendo! Oh, this is fifty dollars. He'll love this," and he uses it for one game and throws that thing away. I just think that was the worst. How do you guys feel about the Rumble Pack? Oh, great feature. I liked it too. I love the rumble yeah. bag, man. Like yeah. the rumble bag. Goldeneye. Goldeneye just had like the right amount of just like da 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 I mean it started a generation of other games with Rumble. Yeah, that is cool. Oh, honorable mention for the worst I wanted to mention was for the Dreamcast controller was uh, the weird like Tamaguchi style thing game that you plugged into the top for some games and it was a memory card but somehow you could take it on the go with you and it had two buttons but no one actually ever know how, knew how it worked but I will say this actually for a worst add-on accessory is um, one of the things that I think came out with the PS1 was the PS1 was, a, was the first game where you had an external memory card and it became one of those things where it became nice because you could go over to a buddy's house you could load your save file for a game you could play it you could save it and you can go away and you can leave and be like, OK, my game data is secured. But there was like a bunch of aftermarket people that were like trying to pedal the bigger, like fancier, like memory sticks. And those fuck those things were super unreliable. And I remember people plugging them in and they'd be like an oblong shape and size and they wouldn't load or they'd have like a bunch of extra data or they'd have like cheat files light on it. Mm hmm. One of them had a little light on it. I think probably. Like, oh, yeah. it's got a, it's got a, it's got a light on it's it. Got a light on that it. saves extra go. memory. Uh, I want to talk about the best controller because obviously we've talked about a variety of different game systems. We've talked mobile. We've talked to the originals and on to the present. And of those, some have stood out for the one who made the best controller. Nintendo GameCube. N sixty four. Oh, wait, were you serious about GameCube? I love the GameCube controller. Those L and R buttons you're okay with that little spring that's in there tell me why you like the gamecube controller the fact that i can still use it on my switch is like amazing and for super smash bros with the adapters oh my gosh and it's so sturdy so first off if you haven't played metroid prime it's harder to explain it a little bit more but metroid prime had an automatic like targeting sequence which you could use which ruled in a game and so if you had like pretty close you could be like samus and you'd like point the you know her arm cannon and you could just like hold the thing down and you know make the spring sounds or be like bing and you'd be like zeroed in on Ridley or whatever his name is so you can't aim so you're telling me oh terrible naming i was the worst <laughs> at goldeneye 
so I was like, this game is nice. Um, also, for all the other games <laughs> regarding like uh, Mario Kart Double Dash uh, and anything else, you had a lot of options to basically use that and scream through. And they're super sturdy, and they still look cool. It was so ugly, though. Oh, are you kidding me? It was so... It Compared to what? Purple, yellow... Someone went, purple with the yellow and the oh, green and the red. It was oh atrocious. Someone looked at that and went, I'm signing off on that because that's the controller I want for my system. Compared to like an Xbox controller? <laughs> Look, Xbox controller is not great, but you're saying the best. I think it's the best. Dude, ergonomically, that shit is solid. No, I have to agree, though. I do think that the GameCube is the best controller. It's uh, Really? Yeah, I mean, the versatility of it, like for a casual gaming console... People still use it today with like competitive gaming and Super Smash Brothers. I mean, they even re-released a Super Smash Brothers controller for the Switch. That is game. It's it's a GameCube controller, and it's like it's so versatile in what you can do with it. It's got you know force feedback with the springs and the left and right triggers. It's got the nice C stick that allows you to act it as a second joystick. Um, it's got the D-pad. I mean, it just kind of has all the features that like a modern day controller has, but it was back in what, 2003, 2004. Yep. It was ahead of its time. This is a great little yeah. piece of hardware. Okay. So related to this, cause we're talking obviously about the best controller as far as functionality. What was the sexiest controller, Sean? <laughs> what was the best controller? Your, your one-handed controller for the PS1? I mean, Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> you got hey. my phone. I'll tell you what right now. <laughs> Uh, that's what he's got us in the head right now. Hey. But Calvin, the man who loves oranges and blues, what do you think the sexiest <laughs> controller was? The sexiest controller? Jesus. Yeah. Um, most streamlined, most marketable. Use whatever language you'd like. PlayStation 1. I mean, there PlayStation 1. It was a, granted, let's further and say with the dual analogs. Analog. But, I mean, that controller fits so well in your hands. You know, you hold it and you've got your index and your middle finger sitting on the R1, R2, L1, L2. You've got full control with both thumbs and then your other two fingers you left to grip onto the small little controller. It worked so well. What I love about you, what I love about you saying that right there is that like that leads perfectly to my which is that my favorite controller is the PS4 controller and I know it's modern and it's new but that's so modern, Sean. They they got that they got the dog bone what you're talking about, all that stuff that's great about how it feels, and just over time they perfect it. And I feel like on the last version, the uh, L2 and R2 would just they were just down a little, and your finger would slip off. And for the most recent PlayStation, they just curved them up just a little bit, and your fingers just feel, sit on it. I, I, you're laughing, kinda, and, but man, like it sounds so when you weird. Play, like it's a little, man, I got like a broken hand uh, <laughs> that I broke years ago, and like it hit from jacking it. Uh, no, but I have, I have a bro- a broken part of my hand. And when you play video games, like your shit gets tired after a while, especially when you start getting old. And the PlayStation controller, like it just it just sits in your hand nice, and like you can. No, no, I love you, John. Keep going. Keep going, Johnny. You got this, buddy. No, please <laughs> keep chopping it up. Keep laughing it up, dick fuck. Okay, bonus round question. Bonus round question. Which controller is the most fun to throw? Ooh, I don't think maybe the. PS2, no, no. PS2. When I, t- I tested video games and the PS2 controller. Here was the beauty: is when you tested it, you could throw it on the ground. It would bounce. It would bounce. You could catch it, and it wouldn't break. <laughs> Just fucking keep going. Calvin, Sam, you got a controller you've thrown and broken? Wiimote. The Wiimote. Yeah, that thing was built to fly. 
I would say, uh, I think I said this on the first first episode, and this kind of falls into a previous category, but the uh, the the DS Guitar Hero grip. You did, yeah, um, you did talk about. I have yours actually. Oh, you gave God. it to me. You're like, thank God hey, you have it because your awful. kids will like this. Wait, tell me about this. The DS Guitar. Wait, so what? Guitar Hero came out on the Nintendo DS, and it came with two peripherals. It came with a pick that was a stylus that you use on the touchscreen, and then it came with this grip that went plugged into the GBA slot on the DS1 or the DS and you plug it into the base into the Game Boy Advance slot and then you grip the controller like a book or you grip the DS like a book and then you'd have the buttons on the back side of the DS and they were you know the respective colors for what were showing up on the screen but it would come unplugged and it was just so bad and it created all sorts of trouble for me so I eventually yeah I got really tired of that thing really quick so I'd say that thing's really nice to throw I'm going to say the Xbox 360, just that my vote has been cast. As soon as you go cordless, you make it so much easier to throw. <laughs> the worst of all time is definitely Dreamcast, because Dreamcast had the cord that plugged into the bottom of the controller oh, as God. opposed to the top. Ugh. And it just, you, would, you were always pulling, and your, your system would start falling out. Who thought that was a good idea? Like, putting the controller... Who bought a Dreamcast? Like, who in their right mind? Same guy, same guy who signed off on the purple and yellow and green. Uh, lots of people bought the Green Pass. I did not, but I know that they had a game that recently got re-released to the Oculus VR that uh, I played, and everyone was like, oh my god, this is the best game on Dreamcast! And I'm like, cool, dude. Wrong guy. Alright. Above and beyond anything that stood before it, and anything that stands after, what is the most important gaming console of all time? And to switch, thing up, switch things up, Sam Roy, start us off. What's the best game of all time, system of all time? Oh, I think Sean, I'm not going to argue too much about it, but the original Nintendo. Um, I feel like everybody had one and it led to everything else. I got a kid in here. Um, but yeah, the original Nintendo, I think, was the jam. Uh, <clears throat> I think that was the one that everybody liked. Yeah, I'd have to concur. It's, uh, I mean, without it, we would not have what we have today it was the first family household console that created a huge catalog of games that everyone could you know it had an expanse of different genres and everything which then led to video games becoming a household item um I, it's really tough to argue but i just want to give uh, genesis its place in this list because uh, when you're talking about the most important system ever nes obviously that's the foundation of everything that came later but genesis was where you could you felt like something could be a little more individualized. And then also what I like that they did for the Genesis is uh, the add-ons to where you could get like a Sega CD mm. or you get the 32X. And now I know the 32X was garbage, but it, it they really were just like peripheral, peripheral. Like, let's just try everything. And they threw it all at the wall. And because of it, like they had some really, they had some of like the best games for that, like the deepest cuts, like General Chaos. And I love Mutant League Football. Um, but like, <laughs> I know Mutant League Football Man. Then they're coming up with a new one, by the way. Um, you know, Sega CD had full motion video games like Sewer Shark. Uh, had the the adult game Night Watch. Yikes! Super obscure thing called Ground Zero Texas. I'll say this, and it segues into what you're saying. I mean, for me, I know we've given a lot of love to the Nintendo franchise, but for me, I think honestly, PS One was the most important console ever. And I think they piggybacked off what Sega started, and they brought us to CDs. And I, I think that. When you were a kid and you picked up consoles and they were different sizes and shapes and you knew they had to fit into an exclusive player, there was something groundbreaking about PS1 because it came out with this CD that was easy to store, 
and of course eventually became very easy to hack so that you could not only use it as a music CD, but you could also have your friends burn copies of games. And it just became that thing where I think it became more popular of a thing to have, you know, instead of carrying around a CD, you know, a case of CDs that was just like all of your musical preferences, you had like people were rocking around at parties with like a case of their video games. And, you know, it just became like everyone had a burn CD gaming system, at least when I was in college. And that was the thing that was like, you know, you could share games that much easier. And then they started coming out with real games that took multiple discs because you couldn't buy multiple cartridges. You got a cartridge game. It was one cartridge. That was the limited storage of that game. Final Fantasy broke the mold. It came out with a three disc game. You knew you were getting something that was going to last you a long time. It was a commitment. It was a serious game. And, you know, they busted out the budget for full motion, you know, full motion capture on the video, on the cutscenes, And that, to me, makes it the most important. Genesis also had blood in Mortal Kombat. Just saying. That's so true. They did really break ground with that. What, what was the code? What was the code? What, what was the code for the blood? The for the blood? The blood code. What's the system I don't know. called? Do you know the code and you're just messing with us right it's, now? It's Abacab. <laughs> the system is Genesis. Lame. No, it's awesome. Uh, no, it's like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Sam, you love Phil Collins, and here you go. Genesis oh, Abacab. Sam does love Phil Collins. You guys suck. Tommy, we only have a few minutes. I think we got to go to rapid fire. All right. So, obviously, with the advent of CDs and the eventually incursion to online gaming, we all started coming out with gamer tags. So, real quick, off the top of your head, what was your first gamer tag? Or if you didn't have a gamer tag, give us your first hot email address <laughs> sean galvin well i still have a hot mail address but uh you know mine's cash me to g man uh mine was perfect fury that was mine <laughs> Jeez, i think mine would have to be i didn't really have a gamer tag until recently i didn't really do online gaming until like a year ago so cowabunga yeah i would say i mean my first email address was my first hotmail was calfun 77 but that, no one cares about that i care I, I will say this i was a super was a super goth kid who had regular blonde hair but i wore a trench coat and i was super into nine inch nails nine inch nails had this thing where every nine inch nail cd had a number that was their halo and then a number so each nine inch nail cd was like halo one halo two halo three so my first gamer tag was Halo 10. Oh, snap. Boom. <laughs> Weren't you Halo 10 10? You know, Halo 10 10 when Halo 10 was not available. Eventually. <laughs> you had to take the 10th oh, power, you know. That's how we do. Were, were, the, were there any systems that, uh, like, you never actually got to play or you played only a couple times that you were just never, never able to afford and you always wanted to play? 3DO. Afford or ascertain, so to speak. Like Neo Geo, like 3DO, Panas. <laughs> I'm a 3DO guy. Like 3DO was awesome to me. If you guys remember, 3DO was like crazy because it, uh, no one that I knew had it. No one, come on, no one in Rough and Ready has a 3DO. No one in Grass Valley no. I knew had, I, honestly, I legitimately know nobody in the area that had a 3DO. Completely. And, nobody. Uh, it had like the, the definitive version of Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Uh, it had this fighting game called Way of the Warrior developed by Naughty Dog really, really earlier in their development. Um, and it had terrible controls. Controllers sucked, but it really just, it was just an adult system. 
But uh, the the 3DO was crazy because it was like it cost like 600 bucks. And let's be honest, in the yeah. mid 90s, 600 bucks that was legit loot. That was a car. That's some kidney money right there. <laughs> That's like, do you know anyone that owned a Neo Geo? No. No, but I wanted to. I I mean, going to Del Oro and playing Samurai Showdown was like the coolest oh, thing because you couldn't get those graphics. Like you couldn't get those graphics on any other system. It had like anime graphics in a video game in like 1995 like that's like so cool dragon's lair dragon's lair is whatever that's just cartoons uh, yeah i mean as far as games that i wish that i had i would just say that you know the whole grass is greener on the other side when i had because i committed to xbox during the 360 realm i did i avoided the xbox one i went from ps2 i totally dodged the ps3 bullet and now I, I haven't entered the ps because that's when they started getting the whole downloadable content and the investment of stuff. And for me, I was a rock band guy. I love rock band. Childish as it might seem. I have a lot of the peripheral yeah. devices. But, you know, when you start buying all the songs and stuff, it wasn't cross-platform. Cross, cross so if I bought all these songs for people that I liked on rock band, I couldn't jump onto a PS and be like, oh, I got all these songs. And it's like, I probably paid $100 songs for rock band. And so it's one of those things where I, I envied the PS3 market and I feel like, you know, a lot of people will say in history class that like the definer of between the beta, the beta disc and the or the beta and the VHS was porn. And it's like, you know, people who switch for PS3 or Xbox uh, 360, I chose incorrectly, I think. And I wish that I had done different. Uh, the Red Ring of Death was its own little monster. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's just not a great system. And I'm excited to go into the PS4. Can I just say real quick, by the way, like when we talk about this stuff, video games fucking rule. Like they last so long. Like we're talking. Let's let's take a step back and look at this from an objective opinion. We're talking about shit that we played when we were like seven and eight years old. And it still rings true to us. And it's not just something that we're kind of just like, eh. like it's like, you know, how our parents listen to music and they still dig on that stuff that when they were young. Video games are the new music. Damn. Yeah, it's very true like we i mean looking back on it like just thinking about playing playstation 2 games or super nintendo games it's like to pick up chrono trigger right now and play it it still works on so many levels for creativity and places that no one else has gone to that like anyone could pick it up i could find like a child and be like yo play this game and they're going to be like, this is crazy because there's so many factors of this game that were, you know, they, they aren't touched on again. It's impossible to recreate the magic of something like that, which is so similar to music. Well, video games can clearly leave a long impression. Some even maybe for a lifetime. I hope that the great ones get replayed, remade, and I hope that new generations appreciate them and respect them as much as we do. So, once again, I'd like to thank my co-host for taking the time out to wrap with us today, to just break it down and talk about it. And just a huge thank you to anyone who listens. We really appreciate it, and we'll try to provide you with more consistently. Maybe drop one before the new year. We'll see. I am your host, Tom Roy, and my co-hosts are Sam Roy, Sean Galvin, and Calvin Crockett. And we've put our cards on the table.